The following program is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase goes to animals in the wild. Learn more and pick up your stick now at schmitz.com. The following program is also underwritten in part by... My dog Annie recently broke her leg. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. You found us. This is where we celebrate the connection with our dogs, our cats, our fish, our horses, our birds, and yes, our flamingos. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> You've was... always said that over the years, and now we can actually say it, right? <laughs> you had a flamingo in the in the office this week? We did, in fact. Yeah, she was a 35-year-old uh, flamingo uh, with a, a lameness, so she wasn't uh, using one of her legs and would just hold it up and behind her. <laughs> wow. So is this a pet flamingo, or is this one of the flamingos from the, I don't know, like the Flamingo Hotel? <laughs> Perhaps, yes, yes. We could say that the bird is in a local collection, I can tell you that. <laughs> How old do flamingos live? Well, you know, the the interesting thing is this is the oldest flamingo I think they've had in the collection. So I'm not really sure how long further that they've lived in captivity. Wow, 35. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as the flamingo came in the office, you were thinking of me immediately, I'm sure. But (laughs) absolutely, I was. That's the funny thing. (laughs) Did you did you know how to take care of this flamingo? Is this the kind of stuff they teach you in vet school? Well, you know, the fun things are that we extrapolate a lot of what we know in veterinary medicine to similar species or similar animals. So, you know, if you've worked on birds in veterinary medicine, then you could work on, say, a parakeet. You could work on a flamingo. There's a lot of the similarities. Now, there are differences in, you know, every species of animal and like the most common diseases they get or, you know, maybe something that's unique to an inherited problem in an animal. But the basic concepts are the same. It's not unlike a dog or cat. So this this critter came in and received x-rays, blood work. Um, We had a swollen joint. So we tapped the joint and drew off fluid for analysis. And that's looking for like infection or anything that could give us clues to what was causing, you know, the critter, the pain. Um, so that was kind of all the approach, and that's the same thing your veterinarian might do for a you know, limping dog or a limping cat. What was the prognosis? Well, so far, um, we've come up mostly with just osteoarthritis, so a very painful, swollen, arthritic joint. Um, so, you know, prognosis, you know, um, we're not going to make that go away, but we are working on some medications to try to improve the quality of life. Um, and, uh, you know, we've done some things like laser therapy along with some anti-inflammatories and, you know, hoping that we can, uh, you know, give the, the bird some good quality days yet, so... Very exciting. If you want to see pictures of this flamingo, you can head on over to Dr. Debbie's Facebook page. We have links from animalradio.pet. And of course, everything you hear on today's show, links at animalradio.pet. So easy to remember. Also on today's show, we're going to be talking about the alligator that's a stress relief animal at the uh, the airport in New Orleans, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. Where else would an alligator be? <laughs> Perfectly representative of the airport there. These are popping up all over. Usually they're dogs. Usually they're cats. You see them. I 
I ran into one of these stress-relieving animals at the Denver International Airport just recently. So this is exciting to hear about the alligator. That's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? I'm going to try to alleviate some confusion from uh, my head and probably everybody else's lives thinking about CBD because we're bombarded with all of these ads for CBD pet products, everything from what shampoos, treats, uh, you name it is out there. There's not a lot of scientific research on it right now for our pets. Then what do you need to know to be able to buy it? What should you look for if you're going to buy some of those products? CBDs are so big now and there's so many out there. Just like any other product, there are bad actors and there's bad uh, people oh, that, yeah, yeah you, you don't know what's in there. You don't necessarily know the ingredients. You don't know the uh, the percentages, the amounts of the, the CBD oil. It's so new, but everybody is so excited about it. We get so many calls every week, and I'm sure, Dr. Debbie, people come into your oh, yeah. office on a daily basis asking you about this. Yeah, I, I can't get through the day, actually, without having some. And, you know, yes, we we talk about it if, if it comes up, kind of like Lori said, but, um, you know, there's so much we don't know. And, and I think we more than anyone we we want some guidelines we want standardization and it's it's hard because there is nothing that people are being held accountable for to prove that it meets this level or that level of this particular component and that it's been raised without you know pesticides um, you know arsenics you know other contaminants that could be just as dangerous as any potential disease for an animal so I think that's the stuff that we're really going to have to see happen and you know it goes on a federal level first so We'll find out more about it coming up at the bottom of the hour. Right now, it's all about you. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. Hi, Suzanne. Well, hello there. I'm so glad to hear from you. Where are you calling from today? I'm San Luis Obispo, California. Know it well. So what's going on with your animals? Well, Otter is 15 pounds, and he's a Chihuahua mix. Wow, that's a big chihuahua, isn't it? Well, he's a bit of a mix. But Otter Pop has a hot spot, and the hot spot's been on his right front paw. And it's been treated with the sprays, and he was also treated uh, with the vet who gave him medication. And the medication really did not make Otter look normal. He was dull and, um, you know, just not his personality whatsoever. And it wasn't about the money. So we're hoping that if there's a topical ointment that isn't toxic, he he just, he licks it. It's not bloody, but he licks it, and you can see the little raw spot, and it's continual. And I Mm -hmm. concluded that it could be diet, but it's not really diet. It's a nervous thing, and um, we would really appreciate your feedback. Sure. Well, what you're describing, kind of a raw, uh, crusty, somewhat even ulcerated area on the front leg, is something we term um, lick granulomas. And um, the causes of this type of thing in dogs can be many. And you mentioned, you know, nervous habit, and that's certainly one cause. But I'll be honest, there are a lot more skin and allergic causes for this kind of thing than just a pet that's nervous. 
So when we do see this, a lot of pets, it's a manifestation of itchiness in their skin. And people are different than dogs. So we got to kind of look back at that as, you know, people, we get a lot of hay fever signs if we have a allergy bout. Dogs, their target organ is their skin. So while we sniffle and sneeze, they lick and chew. And okay. the front the front leg is just right for the taken. It's in their eyesight. It's just a real common area where this kind of thing happens. So whatever you try, the number one thing that you need to do is to not allow that repeated licking cycle. So that may mean using different means such as Elizabethan collars, um, socks, um, even bandaging. Bandaging is fraught with a little bit of some complications there. Um, But we have to keep him from not licking because that repeated licking, even though the tongue is somewhat soft compared to say like a cat's tongue, it's stimulating inflammation further. So we've got to stop that cycle but once we get to the level where where we're what i've described is where it's raised crusty ulcerated sometimes these will even get a little oozy those are ones that that um need some more of a medical approach to them so we can do things to target um, infection and a true hot spot what we call a hot spot is actually a pyoderma which is a bacterial infection so part of how we treat these may include antibiotics but then we look at the things to help with the alleviating the itch and it sounds like the veterinarian may have used something like an antihistamine which side effect can be drowsiness um, but it can certainly help some pets. There are other pets that we need other things to help as well and those may be other types of allergy medications, either injections or other types of pills that can help to squash the itch so the pet feels more comfortable and leaves the area alone. But there are things like diet. You mentioned diet and believe it or not, food allergy can occur and kind of lead to some of these symptoms where they're licking repeatedly. So addressing diet with a good hypoallergenic diet can be part of what we do along with all of these. And I could go on for an hour and all the different allergy therapies we do. So there are some other things you mentioned, you know, like topicals and yeah, there are some topicals that can be helpful, but I'm, I doubt that that alone is going to be the answer to your situation, but okay. using conjunction with some of these other therapies, we might have a better chance um, of, you know, knocking this um, at least to a quieter phase. Some pets continue to be plagued with these and I've used um, therapeutic laser treatments to help decrease the inflammation and that can go really far to help their um, decrease the inflammation and improve their healing time. So just just depends on what your veterinarian, um, what they feel is the most appropriate for the situation. But I would look at topical um, ceramides, um, which are types of topicals that your veter- veterinarian may prescribe to put on the area or in elsewhere on the body. Um, okay. And then we and we may use things like either fatty acid supplements or there's diets specific for pets with skin problems. Um, one of my little critters is on, um, I, you know, I hate to say brands, but it's um, on a one called Derm Defense, and it has uh, enhanced fatty acids for skin, enhancing the skin barrier. Um, so there's those kind of steps we can take as well. And then you know the allergy medications, you know, certainly we'd have to be appropriate for your pet. Um, you know, costs can play a role. Sometimes this topical spray is kind of the cheapest thing you can go with, but, you know, you may need to hit it from another direction using, say, an antibiotic or another anti-itch medicine through your veterinarian. So it really is individualized to what your pet needs. So I, I think there's some good help that can be given, but you, you just got to kind of go for well, it. Well, your staff has been awesome. So awesome. Do, I, got a qu- I enjoy the program. I enjoy it. 
Oh, so do I. I do, too. And you know what? I even get a paycheck, too. I got a question for you. Uh, Otter Pop. I just love the name Otter Pop. Have you done shopping for Otter Pop for Christmas? Do you, is there anything that you're getting? Because we read the survey that most people spend about 237 bucks. I per, caught that. Have you spent any money on your uh, on Otter Pop yet? Um, he's so pampered. He's so loved. We have something special in mind. They do spend money on Otter a lot. <laughs> But those are their fur babies. Of course. They're our children. I completely understand. Well, thanks so much for calling today, Suzanne. You guys are the best. I don't. Uh, I work for Petco, but I'm now I'm a professional volunteer for them. And listening to your show has enlightened not just myself, but I share the information with the associates and the staff at Petco very informative. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And of course, we couldn't do it without listeners like you. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618. That's 888-785-0618. It's Animal Radio. Hopefully you're having a wonderful holiday. Maybe you're already off from work. <laughs> We're not, as you can tell. And I'll start my shopping in two days. See, yeah, two days. <laughs> Today, you know, last year I was Santa here at uh, Animal Radio. And I, let me tell you, I do not make a good Santa. If you could only see Joey Volani today, who's uh, the perfect Santa. You make a much better Santa today. And his bag looks pretty full compared to mine last year. So, ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Uh, we'll, uh, in fact, what are you going to be yapping about today? You, you know what? I want to talk about um, the use of, and only because this is a hot topic right now, the use of these kennel dryers that um, they put dogs and cats in the grooming salons. And um, really to talk about their use and, you know, are they safe? Are they not safe? Um, and, you know, all that good jazz. Those things freak me out. I'll tell you that right now. It's like I feel like I'm putting them in an oven or something like that or a dehydrator. You know what? Um, we'll talk about it. You, might, you could be doing one or the other. Okay. That's on the way in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Could you please pass me the eggnog? Thank you. That's enough, Hal. I, what, I've only had two glasses so far. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're also about 10 minutes away from a check. Also, it's about 10 minutes away from the check of the news. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that's my cue somewhere in there. Uh, we're going to be talking about... CBD. I mean, it is so confusing it out is. there, and I am just a little slow on the uptake on this because 
it is so confusing to me. So we're going to tell you some of the things that the experts will tell us, some of the precautions that you need to take and things to look out for if you're going to go ahead and buy CBD, even though it's not scientifically, you know, perfect right now. I mean, it might be, but the research is just not there yet. I totally but get if it. if you're going to do it. Yes. Yeah, if you're going to do it, then we'll tell you things that you need to look for and some other very important tips with it. We have gotten so many packages this last week of CBD samples, and there is so many CBDs out there that it's, and you don't know which one is good or has been, you know, if there's stuff in it or, you know, what it is, but there are so many companies that are trying to pitch this stuff right now. There is a way to to wade through all of those products, if you will. Some of these key little things that you can look for, even ask for, we'll tell you what they are. Really? Yes. Yeah. This stuff that just came in today is uh, pet hair detangler made with hemp oil. And then we have the uh, fur babies hemp oil to to relax anxious dogs. And then I have the helps sore dogs sore. Oh, is that like a spray, a hot spot spray? Yeah, underdog pain spray with hemp oil. Oh, strange stuff. Okay. Yeah, you spray it directly on the animal. Wow. Now, I have a question. Yes. Is hemp oil and CBD oil the same? Ah, you were asking the absolute wrong person on that. <laughs> I don't know. You, you I'd, know I'd, like to, I'd like to find that out. It's, I, uh, I was watching something on the news the other night that said, you know, how humans need to, to look at all of this hemp CBD stuff. And they made it sound totally different from what I read today, so it is very confusing. It is confusing. Okay, so the letter that came with this stuff here, this hemp oil, says, uh, thank you for your on-air review of our CBD. So I'm going to assume right there that the CBDs and the hemp oil are one and the same. Okay. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I am a wealth of misinformation, just in case anybody is (laughs) taking me seriously. Um, anyway, so we're going to we're gonna do a quick check of the news in about 10 minutes. We'll talk a little bit about CBDs, and let's uh, take your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Well, this sweet-smelling portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's Special Edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase supports animals in the wild. You can learn more at Schmitz.com. And thanks, Schmitz, for underwriting Animal Radio. I'm actually wearing it right now. And you smell so good. Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Challenge Cable, can you smell that? Your dog can. <laughs> Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I want to take this time to say thanks. I really enjoy being on Animal Radio. I'm not perfect, I don't have all the answers, but what I do have is a deep passion and desire to help you understand your dog and give you the tools you need to give your dog a happy, fulfilling life. Most of it's common sense and understanding that dogs are just a little bit different than we are. I think that's what makes them so magical. I mean, think about it. They live totally in the moment. They don't think about the future or the past. It's all about what's happening now. Dogs don't hold grudges. They're not 
not greedy, and a dog will never break your heart. They want to please you, they just need to know how. And if I can help you get to the answer, it brings me the greatest joy and satisfaction. You know, sometimes we love our dogs so much, we love them too much. And we treat them like they're our children. And sometimes when we do that, they get a little confused. Like you or I would be if we went to another country where we didn't know the customs and the language. The difference between our dogs and us is that we're capable of learning the customs and the language. Your dog can never learn English, he can never learn what it's like to be a human, but we can learn to act and think like like a dog. And that's probably the greatest thing you can do to ensure that your dog has a long, happy, healthy, stress-free life. If you're listening right now and you've got a dog that, well, it's just out of control, always excited, always hepped up, almost like there's Starbucks in his water dish, I'm going to give you two simple things you can do to mellow your dog out right now and you will see results pretty quickly. Number one, pay no attention to your dog when you come home. Just pay no attention to him until he mellows out. Then tell him good dog and give him a pet. Give him a treat, too, if you want. And number two, take your dog out for a 30-minute walk or a run or a bike ride or play fetch with him every single day. If you tire him out every day, get that energy out, you're going to notice he starts to mellow out. And when he does, that's when you pet him. That's when you say, good dog. Hi, I'm Dan Aykroyd. Have the happiest of holidays. This is Heather Locklear wishing you all the merriest Christmas. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. No doubt I know you've seen all of those ads for CBD pet products or cruise through your local pet supply store and seeing all the products there. Uh, but why doesn't your veterinarian tell you to use any of those products? Have you ever wondered that? Well, your vet is probably not allowed to mention CBD. And why is that? Well, because there are 47 states that have legalized marijuana for humans, but veterinarians were left out of all of those state laws concerning cannabis so they can only talk about cbd if their clients bring up the subject first now it all makes sense right see only california has passed legislation that specifically authorizes veterinarians to discuss cannabis with their clients so anyway if you're going to go ahead and buy cbd you should know what you're buying and heed the precautions okay Experts say for any CBD product that your best bet is to find a company that has commissioned independent third-party testing and can provide you with a certificate of analysis, or sometimes it's called COA. Now, the lab results should show you how much the CBD is contained in the product, as well as how the product also tested for contaminants like heavy metals and fungicides. Now, if you can't find a certificate of analysis on the company's website or, say, you ask and the company refuses to share it, that is a big red flag. Don't even think about buying there. Also, look for products, according to the experts, that have a seal from the National Animal Supplement Council. 
I didn't even know such a council existed, but it's just another way, another hoop that manufacturers must jump through. So they say if they have that National Animal Supplement Council seal, that is going to increase the chance that a product has been made with safe ingredients in a clean and highly controlled environment. Now, a couple of other things to remember. A study from Cornell University found that two milligrams of CBD per kilogram of your dog's weight twice daily can help increase comfort and some activity, get them more comfy in dogs that have osteoarthritis. Now, the big note there is that is kilograms, not pounds. Remember, one kilogram equals 2.2 pounds. So if you don't convert your pet's weight to kilos, you will more than double the correct dosage. Something to watch out for. And finally, the quality of CBD degrades the longer you have it. So if you were one of the early people to jump on the craze, you might have had some products in the shelf for a while, but that might not be a good thing. CBD oils and treats should be kept at room temperature, away from bright lights or sunlight. Also, heat and extreme cold temps can dramatically change the chemical composition of CBD. So if you have an oil that has changed colors or smells funny, it's probably been damaged and should be thrown away. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This is Animal Radio, baby. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. And we go to Jolie. Hi, Jolie. Where are you calling from? I am calling from WEEU land near Reddick, Pennsylvania. I love you guys. So what's going on? I have Dr. Debbie the whole team here for you. Okay. Well, if your dishes get, um, like, where their chin rubs against them or something like this, and you get that buildup of the dark stuff, what? I, I, we're talking like 15, 20 dishes, so, I mean, this is an investment. Now, I thought, well, I, I think vinegar might take it off or something like that, but then I'm worried about it, the plastic absorbing the smell. So the, the, these are oh, caps, wait, not, right? I'm, yeah. I was going to say, I'm not quite clear what we're saying. So your kitties have what on their chin? Why, the dishes from the cats leaning over and eating, the dishes themselves get like this coating of... Uh, of a blackish substance, the same like oh. if they're rubbing against a door a lot or something. Oh, yeah. oh. Hmm. well, yeah. I, now, that's shame on you. You're worried about your darn dishes. I want to know what's going on in the cat. So that's what where I would look. It's like we need to examine your cat and look at the chin area. Because oh, well, for kitties... For kitties and the chin area, that's um, there's a lot of sebaceous glands, a lot of oil glands in that zone. And well, I think that's cats, what probably on there yeah so cats can be prone to having problems in that area um and a lot would it does play a role what kind of bowl they eat out of because there can be allergic triggers to what we call chin acne and those can be more in um ceramic bowls um uh, things like that or even plastic bowls so i tend to say stay more with stainless steel um, as a non-reactive bowl but it really does depend on the kitty's chin and what you've got going on there. Because some different kitties with more hair, like say a Himalayan or you know Persian, they're going to have more potential buildup of moisture, and they can get um, you know bacterial infections or yeast infections down there as well. 
So it's kind of hard over the phone to tell you what it is. I would have to see your kitty and to say that, you know, um, it depends on how, how soon the bowls are also being cleaned out. So there's food plus the oils plus the gunk and the dirt and, you know, whatever's in the immediate area that can build up on the actual bowl. Well, but on I the cat's chin. Every day. But this seems to have accumulated over the years. Mm-hmm. And I, hmm, I can't yeah, I don't afford know about to buy all new bowls. Hmm. Well, if your cats are perfectly healthy and their chins are fine, I guess I don't know what to tell you because <laughs> um, I, I I don't know what to take something off the bowls. I you know this is my job is treating the kitty. Yeah, I think vinegar would do it, but then I'm afraid the bowls will smell of vinegar and then they're not going to really use them. Yeah, I I you know I would say you know it would be important to have the kitties looked at to see if there's a medical problem that you need to treat so that you're not beating yourself against the wall doing something that's not going to stop. So, but that's, that's just, you know, my best I advice is... I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, well, super. My, my next question, all of a sudden, now I've been taking care of animals for like 35 years. I'm, I'm up there in age. But there were, you could always have the, you know, the vets scale their teeth with them awake so they didn't have to have the anesthesia and what have you. Now, suddenly... A dog can cost you $600 to have the, the animal sedated and the teeth cleaned, and a cat can mm-hmm. cost $400. Oh, sure. That's- so I want to back up to the first thing you made, um, the comment you made about, you know, doing it awake. So current state veterinary practice law um, can vary from state to state, but I can tell you in the state of Nevada where I practice is actually against the Practice Act to do any kind of dental scaling on an animal awake for many reasons. Um, one is because we can't tell our patients to sit still or hold their mouth open and uh, for them to understand that when we do something in an area that causes pain that they not become frightened or try to flee. Um, so that's another reason. The other real reason is because um, so much of the pathology, what's wrong with the mouth in dental problems in pets is below the gum line. So you're only seeing 40% of it on the top of the outside surface of the tooth. So if all you do is chip off on the outside, you're just kind of spending money thinking you got clean, healthy teeth when you've actually done nothing to treat what's really underneath. So that's why anesthesia is so necessary for animals for us to do an effective cleaning and to do a good assessment um, including x-rays so um, I'm thinking about the price that seems terribly expensive Oh, sure. So when you go to the, the dentist, and, and I had this conversation with a client the other day. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's so expensive. I don't understand. I go to the dentist, and it's like $90. And I'm like, well, are you put under general anesthesia? Do you have an IV catheter put in? Do you have preoperative blood work? And do you have dental x-rays included in that $90? So that's the difference between animals and people. So we have to talk apples and apples, not apples and oranges. It is costly, yes, because we want anesthetic safety. Everyone bemoans the cost of veterinary care, but then they don't want to hear about a pet that dies under anesthesia because someone cut corners doing things subpar. How we used to practice, looking back when I first came out of school 20 years ago, yes, it was like $90 for a dental. We knocked him out. We woke him up. We didn't take x-rays. We know now that we can do it better. We can give them better results. We can be safe safer and have a better long-term effect. So yeah, cost of dental care, yes, it has gone up over 35 years. So 
Um, and also we know increasingly the value of preventative dental care is so much more. So if we're only doing a dental every three to seven years, you can expect a 600 maybe a $1,200 dental because your pet's already got advanced dental problems and it's going to need extractions and antibiotics. So the goal would be is, yeah, we try to get those young pet pets in for early dental care. We try to get pet owners on board for home care to avoid those very costly dentals. It's not because we just want to charge a lot for dentals. We want you guys to be our kind of uh, cooperative uh, pet parent that's going to help to maintain that dental care. And if it doesn't happen at home, that's okay. We can still do good care, but they need to be coming in regularly for dental care. Sorry to get on my soapbox there. (laughs) Well, that's okay. No, I mean, this is all uh, information I should have. So I don't have a heart attack when they want six hundred dollars to have their teeth cleaned. Well, I think the most important thing that Dr. Debbie said, and I, I just learned this over the last few years, is that doing the dental-free anesthetic, excuse me, the anesthetic-free dental work that these uh-huh. stores offer, that's like putting lipstick on a pig, right? I mean, it's it's there's so <laughs> yeah, you said that, <laughs> yeah. Well, that and I've I've also witnessed some very serious injuries from that. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. So I see you're dressed up today as uh, Santa Claus. You're playing Santa Claus? Is that what you're doing? Because you make a great Santa Claus. What, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you look you look like the Italian Santa Claus. If, if Santa Claus was Italian, you would be it. Okay. You know, this white beard is my beard. Um, yeah. It's, um, oh. When I let it grow in, it comes in very gray. I'm just joking. <laughs> but it would. It would if I let it grow in. You know, everything else has died and, and, and collagened and, you know, so I'm... I'm a little vain, I gotta say. Uh, just a, a little, little bit. <laughs> but then again, you know, I wouldn't be in the beauty, even though it's the pet beauty industry, I wouldn't be in the beauty industry if I. Listen, if you're gonna look at a at a schlub, okay, that's grooming your dog, wouldn't you say, well, you know, why don't, why don't they take care of them? Why don't they take care of himself? Exactly, we'll that's true. Yeah. So there you go. That's so, how you pick and, your and groomer. I want my groomer you, to be groomed. They've got to look good. You know, I, I, it's funny because, um, as you guys know, I, I lecture about business all over the world, the pet grooming industry, and that is a big part of 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 my um, lectures is 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 your self appearance, oh. um, and and yeah, I mean, you know, go in looking the part, and and you got to look good, you got to be groomed, you got to smell good, everything. It has to, you got to, it has to be the total package. You know what I'm saying? So, and you are anyway, the total package. Anyway, I just, I just am the total package, <laughs> aren't I? So th- that being said, um, that's a good segue into my um, into my tip this week, um, which is really n- not not so much a tip, but it's 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 more of I want I want to make a correction here, okay? Because everything that's going on in the grooming industry with you know um, because of social media about injuries to pets, um, they're now looking to when I say they, I'm really talking about the general public. 
is looking to ban certain equipment that if you ban it, you're actually going to be causing more damage than helping. And the one thing I want to talk about is the kennel dryer. Now, the kennel dryer for a lot of pets out there is necessary. We use um, what's what's called a high-velocity dryer. High-velocity dryer is basically exactly what it sounds like, where it's 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 a a um, good velocity of air that comes out. It dries the pet quicker. It gets their coat straighter. It gets out the um, um, a lot of the undercoat. Now, I notice when dogs get older, for some reason, and I think it's just the sound. And even though you know we put what we call um, hoodies. We put over their head, around their ears to keep it quiet, to keep them comfortable. But sometimes the noise level, um, it affects them, and I've seen dogs seizure because of it. Now, because of that, you put them in a drying kennel, as long as it's monitored and the right pets go in it. Now, pets that are brachiocephalic, which is your flat-faced dogs, like bulldogs and and shih tzus, and, you know, for those breeds, they can't go in it. So as long as, you know, the groomer is experienced and knows who and what can go in, it's a very, very comfortable experience. You know, the best way I can explain it is like this. If somebody is working on the docks and they're driving a forklift, if that person is experienced and has the proper credentials to run the machinery, you're going to get um, something that's expedited, you know, very well and, 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 and careless free. If they're not, people can get injured and it can also, you know, just, just make the whole day, you know, horrible. Same thing with, with, with pet grooming. If they're not qualified to use the equipment, well, then I wouldn't have them use it. But if they're qualified and you trust your groomer and you ask questions, you know what? That kennel dryer could be a really good experience for your pet. So don't automatically say we don't want it used because you might have the dog or cat that actually would benefit by by these dryers. I'm thinking isn't part of the problem that, well, I'm, I shouldn't say problem because that's, you know, supposing something. But it isn't part of that, Joey, that... It's not regulated, well, so they, there's nothing that requires them to know it, correct? Okay, so a forklift driver, the only thing that they need is an OSHA class. Now, now here's the problem with that, because in my other world with the stagehands, um, I have forklift drivers that are not OSHA certified because they don't have to be. They've been driving forklifts safely for 20-plus years. And then you have a guy that's never got on a forklift in his life or her life, and they take the class and they say, I can drive a forklift. Well, you can't. You, you can't because you never have, just because you got a piece of paper. So ask questions. Say, okay, what do I need to know? If my pet's going in a drying kennel, tell me about the procedure. And if they can talk about it, I mean, if they just say, well, we put them in, we adjust the temperature and walk away, well, you want to know, are, are, do you monitor them and how do you monitor them? What's the temperature that, that it should be? And if they are able to answer your question, no matter what the questions are, because no question is stupid, because usually um, the, the, the client is going to ask too many questions because they want their pet safe. Ask as many questions as possible, and the groomer should be able to answer them where you feel comfortable. Now, wasn't one of the issues is that they were forgotten and left in there for long periods of times, but don't they have timers on them that will automatically shut them off? Well, they, you're 100% right. They, they, they do, but, you know, sometimes 
people don't go out and they, and, they, and buy the um, expensive units. What they'll do is they'll actually make, make their own. And, and making your own is nothing that I definitely recommend doing, but groomers do it. But if you do do it, there's still a way to monitor it. What you want to do is put a temperature gauge up in the kennel so you can monitor the temperature inside the kennel. You also want to check that pet every 20 minutes. What we would do is set a, a, um, a cooking timer. So for 20 minutes, and I do this even with the to controlled ones because you never know the mechanism what if the mechanism goes bad and, and you know and you forget about it so i would imagine brachycephalic dogs don't even need to be in one of those because most of those dogs have hair that probably dries pretty fast no, not, not, not exactly, because um, your, your Shih Tzus have long flowing coats. Okay. And the best way I can explain it is drive at 60 miles an hour down the highway. You've probably done this as a kid. Stick your head out the window. And when you know how you, how you have a hard time breathing? Well, that is what they say the pet feels um, that has a flat face when, it, when they're in these kennels. Of course, we're, Go not get the advo- keys. Yeah, we're not advocating that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. BMW rolls out their biggest SUV ever, the X7, a three-row monster. It will be the fifth SUV from BMW to be built in South Carolina, where BMW produces 1,400 vehicles a day. The X7 will come with standard air suspension. The X7 uses an infrared camera that makes sure that you're looking out the road. And if you are, you can set your car to drive for you and take your hands off of the wheel. To see the X7, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. We have another great hour coming up. If you missed last hour, we talked CBD. It's the new big thing. If you missed it, you want to hear about it, head on over to animalradio.pet and you can hear the whole show. As well as, uh, you know, ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. But this hour... Very excited about this. If you fly a lot or a little bit, you might notice at some airports there are groups that bring animals out to kind of de-stress you because, let me tell you, flying can be very, very, very stressful. Especially at this time of year. Oh, yes. So uh, what are they doing in Louisiana, you might say? Are they bringing out the cute little fuzzy kitties and dogs to de-stress you? Absolutely not. They got an alligator down there. And we're going to talk to the, uh, I know, it's, I'll let that sink in there just for a second. We're going to talk to the, what is her name? Oh, she's Erin. Erin Burns, the Director of Communications at the Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport, and figure out what are they thinking with their de-stressing alligator. Uh, that's on the way. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Well, there's, you know, the old saying, let sleeping dogs lie. Um, how about... Let sleeping dogs sleep with women because they've done some research on that. <laughs> and it's good for everybody. Oh, that could be taken so many different ways. I know. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to keep this straight ahead. This sleeping Don't. on a. Yeah, just leave bed. it to me to really Don't drag go it there, into the yeah. I, I always take it to the lowest common denominator. Uh, let's go to the phones for your calls right now. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. 
Judy is signaling that I've said it once again too fast. Sorry. one 866 405 Does that please the That's court? better. I think you can still work <laughs> on it and slow it down just a little more, Hal. And we go to Scott. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today, Hal? Very good. What's going on? Um, we have a 10-year-old cat. Uh, she's been healthy for the, the whole 10 years. About, um, let me see, on August 28th, we took her to have her teeth cleaned, so they put her underneath. And then um, about a month after that, she started having petite mall seizures, and she's had five seizures since uh, September 27th. Hmm, uh, okay. About uh, two weeks ago, they started her on a gabapentin, a half tab of that. Okay. And uh, hoping that would do it, but then she had one more seizure after that. And um, now we're concerned because we don't want to start giving her higher doses or different drugs. But then we heard that CBD oil can be helpful in cat seizures. So that's what our question is. Okay. Well, seizures in dogs are, you know, actually far more common than in cats. And in fact, I think the incidence in cats is something like 2% of kitties that actually acquire um, some kind of a seizure disorder. The problem is, is that when we're talking about seizures, we can't have a one-size-fits-all treatment plan. So right. before I even talk about what we're going to give any pet with a seizure problem, it's really, I, I, I really truly back up to, okay, what are the things that cause seizures? seizures in a pet of this age and this lifestyle. And then we look at that a bit further. So, you know, if they did a dental, they probably did some basic lab work, but that goes a level beyond just your basic lab work, because there can be things that are in relation to uh, fungal infections. Um, We can see protozoal infections, viral infections that can cause uh, seizures, liver problems, uh, electrolyte disorders, And then you get into things like tumors um, or something structural within the brain that can go on. So because of that, um, I would always say go back to square one and, um, you know, really do as much as we can to try to investigate an underlying cause. Sometimes that may mean doing secondary or third level testing, which could be doing things like bile acid tests, special viral tests, um, and in some cases going to have brain imaging done um, because, uh, there's definitely different expectations with different therapies. So before I'd say, oh, here's a drug, let's try this to control your seizures, um, you know, that's a very important aspect. So, um, you know, and again, you and your right. veterinary knew what, what has been done and what hasn't been done, but that's a really important thing before I ever say, let's try uh, a seizure medicine. Okay, but, yeah, they did, they did blood work and uh, urinary check, and that all came back fine. There was nothing unusual there, but we haven't gone testing beyond that point. Yeah. So you, you might certainly start that conversation and say, okay, you know, hey, this Dr. Debbie person said that there may be some other kind of uh, fungal diseases or viral diseases that I need to consider. And what, what do I need to know for my pet might be a risk? And, uh, you know, certainly I'm not going to tell you to run, you know, 10 tests that are unnecessary, but every pet's different. Every uh, location is different. So for example, I had a seizuring dog today at the office and um, we're in the desert southwest. So there is a fungal organism called coccidiomycosis. In our area, that is a uh, potential cause of seizuring pets in the desert southwest. So that's an important conversation I have with any of my patients. So um, likewise, I'm sure your veterinarian will have some regional things they'll want to discuss. Um, as far as therapy for seizures, if we thought, okay, your kitty has epilepsy, the, the, the number one seizure control medication is truly phenobarbital. And that's what we've found has the best 
um, efficacy to control seizures related to epilepsy. Um, things like gabapentin can be helpful. Um, we tend to have to go to super high doses with um, dogs and cats. Um, so it can be used, but I don't find that it's very good by itself as a sole therapy to control seizures. So um, you know, if a kitty tolerates it and it seems to be decreasing them, you know, I wouldn't lose hope. But um, you know, that's uh, a pretty uh, well-tolerated medication. Um, so the big question, CBD, oh gosh, everyone wants to know. And, you know, the real problem is that CBD studies, we have really no published veterinary studies that can speak to the efficacy, um, the safety, and the specific dosing. Um, There is research underway that we hope to have some answers to this, but the the real problems are is that veterinarians' hands are tied (laughs) in in regards to this. So um, it is a controlled uh, Schedule I drug, so it is deemed um, inappropriate for use for any cause, and that's by the federal government. Um, the classification. So until that changes, you won't often find a veterinarian that can recommend um, that CBD be given for A, B, or C condition at whatever dose. Um, That being said, we know in people that there is some evidence that shows that uh, it can improve seizure um, and other neurologic type conditions. So, you know, we're waiting. <laughs> we want to see those extrapolate more than just extrapolated um, uh, kind of links that people are making to help um, seizures. Okay. I can tell you, I've had some folks abandon their regular traditional therapies with CBD, and um, you know the ones that I hear back on um, many of the pets, it, it did not do what they were hoping to. Is that because it was the wrong choice? No, maybe not. But there's no standardization of products um, because it's not legal. Um, you know, we don't have the proof that what they say is in the label is truly in there. Um, I and that, that cop early in the game still with it. I have a question about yeah. the phenobarbital you mentioned. That's mm-hmm. a, a drug they've been for moving her on to. And when we look at the side effects of that, they are, they're pretty bad. They're very frightening side effects. Is that just a worst-case scenario, or are those common with a cat? Is that well, is it yeah, so the the side effects that you know most people would reference would be concerns with liver problems developing. Um, we can see increased uh, thirst, um, hunger, things like that. So the the important things before I ever put a pet on any seizure drugs is I'd, I'd want to look into that liver a bit closer. Um, so for me to evaluate how well a liver is functioning, um, I like to do a bile acid test, um, and that's in conjunction along with what probably your veterinarian has done as well. And a bile acid, um, we call it a bile acid tolerance test. So it's a way to test the more meaningful function on how well the liver is clearing itself of toxins. If that test looks good and all the other liver enzymes look wonderful, then I don't have any necessary um, apprehensions about starting that medicine. But I am very close uh, with my monitoring. So within two to four weeks of starting medicine, we're already getting that pet back and checking their blood levels to make sure there's no adverse effect before we get them sick or you know any problems. Um, but, but yeah, it's used, it's used pretty comfortably in kitties and, um, you know, there are always those outliers that we will have problems. And, uh, I think if you stay on top of it and follow your vet's recommendation to get that follow-up lab work, then, uh, you can have more confidence using that. I have a couple okay. of questions about Scott's dog here. Uh, cat. I'm sorry, Scott's cat, <laughs> which makes a big difference. All of a sudden, after, I believe you said a dental appointment, these yeah. mm-hmm. 
anesthesia and put her out. And then about a month after that, she started having seizures. Do you think that could be related, doctor? And if it isn't, can a cat suddenly start getting epilepsy after 10 years without it? Sure can. Yeah. And whether it's truly epilepsy or some other degenerative problem, that's the question. So we're kind of making the jump, calling it epilepsy. But, you know, there are a whole host of other things that can cause inflammation in the brain or it can actually be a lesion, whether we call it a tumor or cancer or what have you. So there's other things that outside of this epilepsy, we just always talk epilepsy because that's kind of the bulk all that, you know, when we think seizure, that's that's just one of many causes. Um, So yeah, it is interesting, the timing after the dental. So I guess I would go back to our history and see, you know, any recent drugs that were utilized, any other things that were going on. Um, Also checking out, you know, our uh, cardiovascular history as well and making sure we don't have any other kind of health issues that could be related. Um, So yeah, I, I probably couldn't speculate on that, but it is kind of a curious timing. Okay. Scott, let us know how it goes. Toll free, one 405 to reach out to the Dream Team. And we'll go back to the phones next. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Embrace Pet Insurance, providing nose-to-tail accident and illness coverage for your dog or cat. It can be customized to fit your budget and needs. Simply take your dog or cat to any vet, submit a claim form, and get reimbursed quickly. For more information, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com and get a quote. And thanks, Embrace, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets. That's my dog, Annie. She's healthy now, but recently she broke her leg and I had to rush her to the vet. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. They covered her surgery and reimbursed the claim quickly. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses that you can personalize to fit your budget. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a free quote. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Visit EmbracePetInsurance.com for coverage details. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Two more shopping days. I will start in two days for Christmas Eve. For the humans. I've already done my shopping for the animals. And in fact, of course, of the average $237 spent, I have spent, oh, about $500 on per pet this year. What could you possibly buy? Oh, let me tell you. First of all, there's the beds. Obviously, you know they have, and I got one that warms. It's a warming bed, a little (laughs) plug-in heater thingy. Uh And then I got the new bowls, nice shiny new bowls because they they're they're my you know they're they're my family. They're like they're like the queens and kings in my life. So I want everything to be very nice for them. I also got a lot of the new tech, and there's an unbelievable amount of new tech. I got one of those cameras. That will watch them when I'm gone. Does it give them treats too? Does it, it dispense? This one doesn't give them treats, okay. but this one I can talk to them and they can talk ah. back. And I'm not even sure if that's a good idea yet, but I have that capability should I want to do that. Yeah. So that's that's where I've spent my money on my animals this year. And you probably too, if you're listening right now, you love your animals and you've uh, probably spent a, much more than you did last year or the year before on them. And it's so so easy to do. 
Uh, by the way, there's still some great last-minute gift ideas over at AnimalRadio.pet if you're like me and you wait for the last <laughs> couple of days uh, to get your presents. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about the alligator at the Louisiana airport, and we're going to do a quick check of the news in about 10 minutes with Miss Lori Brooks, who's decorated the newsroom ever so beautifully today. Well, thank you, Hal. I didn't even think that you noticed. I did. The flashing lights and the icicles. Dr. Debbie helped a little bit. Thank you. Just a little. <laughs> those can't those take the credit. Like Pepsi cans. Those are those are Doctor Debbie's. <laughs> now, um, I've got a story coming up for you. The biggest pet care trends that you can expect next year, 2019. There's some big things that are going on. We'll tell you about them. Uh, Doctor Debbie, you want to go to the phones? Yeah, let's take some calls. We have Mary D on the phone. Hi, Mary D. How are you? Well, I have an eight and a half year old female Doberman, and I take her in for her dental exams and cleanings every year, but her teeth get that plaque buildup and gets really ugly looking between the cleanings, and I give her only dry food and crunchy treats. I was just wondering if if the um, little dental scalers, like uh, dental tools to scrape the teeth, is a good thing to do between cleanings. No, no. I love the topic of dental care, so I'm glad you called because it's something that there's a lot that pet owners can do. I don't recommend pulling out the dental scalers. Even people who are dental hygienists, it's not necessarily good to pick at the teeth with a sharp instrument and not be able to polish afterwards because it creates little defects in the uh, enamel surface that make plaque build up even more. So um, I would stick to things that we can do safely at home and um, home brushing by far is the number one thing you can do. Um, So I don't know, Mary D, is that something you can feasibly do for your dog? Um, Yeah, she lets me brush them. She likes the taste of the toothpaste, so she thinks that's a treat. And I've tried to, like, toys with the dentabone and the greenies and nylabone mm-hmm. type things that are supposed to help clean doctor are those, those, those dentabones are they do they really work well, you know, there, there actually are some good products out there, and there's a veterinary dental oral health uh, council. Uh-huh. I'm sure I'm putting too many words in there, but we get it. there's actually a society that looks at the products to see if they are very useful or mm. not. And there are some that are, and greenies, believe it or not, are actually advocated for oh. um, showing that they actually can help good. prevent tartar buildup. So there's other things. I mean, there's uh, other foods out there, and they are also endorsed by the health, um, the oral health council. Um, prescription foods like uh, Hills TD, Purina has a dental health diet. There's actually quite a few things like that that actually do have some sound evidence. And, and you know, these things will help a little bit, um, but brushing by far will give you the best um, success because it not only helps to prevent that tartar buildup, but it also helps to keep the gums healthy. And that's where some of these other things may not have as much benefit as brushing. Um, so I try to brush as often as you can uh, daily if you're if you're up with the, that frequency. If not even three times a week is useful. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, some of those treats are actually very useful. Now, um, the other things, there's some water additives that have been um, also shown to be helpful in preventing tartar mm-hmm. and plaque buildup. Um, Aquadent and uh, there's some other brands out there that can be valuable. So that would be something. And in my office, we even use something that's an oral sealant called Oravet. 
and if your dog's good about brushing, letting you brush their teeth, um, then you might even consider the sealant because you can also do that oh, if cool. you're brushing your pet's teeth. That's like sketch card for the teeth, huh? Kind of, yeah. It's really kind of cool stuff because you don't have to be very precise. You just kind of put it on the teeth near the gum line, and it actually kind of spreads over the tooth on its own. Um, and you can apply it once a week. Um, so, um, yes, and, and I, I love the stuff. We use it with all of our dental cleanings to help kind of keep them a little cleaner longer, and we encourage people to use that. So there's a lot of things like that. And, you know, you can do all of those things, Mary D, and you're still going to have this constant buildup of plaque. Um, and it is the same battle that we face when we go to the dentist every six months. So um, find what works for you and for your, your baby girl there, and, um, and you can battle that plaque. Just don't okay. battle it with a scraper. I, okay. Okay. I will try those things. Thank you so much. Mary G, thank you for your call <laughs> you. today. I, I also heard of a, uh, like a, a vaccination or a shot. Isn't there something that uh, mm-hmm, somebody, yeah. was it you that mentioned that? I may have. It's, it doesn't help prevent the plaque buildup, but there's one called the porphamonas vaccine. We call it the dental vaccine or the gingivitis vaccine. Um, it helps to prevent the kind of the body's reaction to the tartar on the teeth. So you get hopefully less periodontal inflammation and that's even something to consider too ask your vet 1-866-405-8405 if you want to ask the animal radio vet dr debbie this scrumptious serving of animal radio is brought to you by the grain-free red barn naturals canned food for dogs and cats always made in the usa with natural functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health you can learn more at redbarninc.com and thank you red barn for underwriting animal radio If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618. That's 888-785-0618. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Now, I'm betting that it's not going to come as any surprise to you that when you are looking at the year ahead, some of the biggest trends in pet care are in line with trends that have recently emerged for humans. So according to this new survey that's out of 1,000 dog and cat owners, 2019 is going to be the year of smart tech for pets, alternative therapies, and diets that mimic human choices. Trend one, let me tell you about it. It's um, According to these survey respondents, they say pet owners are motivated to give pet tech a try, especially if it means it's going to provide them with a better grasp of their pet's health and wellness. One in four pet parents in this survey admits that they spend more on technology for their pets than they do for themselves. And of those who currently use health-related pet tech for cats and dogs, about 45% use nutrition apps, 
veterinary telemedicine, and 31% say they use fitness trackers. The second trend I want to tell you about, this survey found that pet owners who have tried alternative therapies for themselves, of them, 74% have used these alternative therapies on their pets as well. And we're talking mostly about CBD and hemp-based products there. Now, nearly 40% said they use CBD products on their pets for a specific behavioral problem or condition, for pain relief after surgery or on a flight. Now, another trend is alternative therapies, with about 80% of pet parents trying aromatherapy and even reflexology. And more than a quarter of pets, they say, have had alternative therapies such as massage, chiropractic, and acupuncture. And the third trend is all about higher quality pet foods and diets because, you know, we pet parents these days are much more cognizant of the types of foods that we're feeding our pets. And of those surveyed in this survey, 70% of people who follow a, you know, a pretty strict diet for themselves admitted to putting their pet on a similar special diet. Let me explain what that means. Uh, For example, almost half of pet parents who eat organic foods also feed their pets an organic diet. And for, say, pet parents who are on a protein-rich kind of diet, they too would then tend to feed their pets protein-rich diets as well. Hang on, I need a drink. I know, I need a drink too. Here, have some more eggnog. <laughs> yeah, pass that eggnog. <laughs> Finally, for we women who love dogs, and there are a lot around here, huh? There's a new study out that shows women sleep better next to dogs than their human partners. <laughs> oh, that's no surprise. I, <laughs> I I knew that Hal was somehow going to relate to this. But this study was published this month by researchers at Canisius College in Buffalo, New York. And they interviewed about 1,000 women. 55% of them shared the bed with at least one dog. shared their bed with at least one cat, and 57% of them shared the bed with a human. Researchers found that dogs were less likely to wake their women owners in the middle of the night than were cats and humans. By the way, they found cats and humans were equally disruptive to women's sleep (laughs) and also did not provide the women with the feelings of comfort and security that the dogs seemed to. And by the way, dog owners also reported earlier to bed and earlier rising times than cat owners and those who have no pets. Hmm. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And this uh, last week, I had a chance to do a little traveling, and I went through the Denver airport where they have dogs. They have uh, dogs for people to pet. Like emotional support to calm people before they get on the plane? Because I'll tell you, flying the airline that I fly (laughs) makes me pretty stressed out. And, you know, everybody needs to get on first now on these regional jets so they can put their little packs above them in the, oh, the they cram those storage. things. They carry everything they can. That on the whole plane. thing makes me stressed. And then they throw me some pretzels. Like that's a good thing for my diet. So by the time <laughs> I get off the plane, I'm like, "Ooh, cute doggy." And you forget about it. I forget else. about it. Yes. It's really an amazing. And many airports across the country are doing things like this. They they have dogs, they have cats, even some adoptable animals. Seems to be a way to to, to oh, find homes for animals. That's a great idea. Uh so 
If you've been to an airport where there's been an emotional service animal, you might appreciate this over at the Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport. They have something very different going on. Erin Burns, she's the director of communications at the Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi there. How's it going? Very good. So what do you got going on at the airport? Uh, Dogs, cats, what? We have alligators. Alligators? (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, it's actually a partnership with our local um, Audubon Nature Institute. They do a great job around the community. They have a zoo, an aquarium. They, um, they, they provide this educational program where they go around and, you know, allow, give people up close, hands-on experiences with different types of animals. And, you know, one of the most recognizable animals that is representative of the Louisiana wetlands is the alligator. So we thought it would be uh, a nice passenger experience to allow people when they land into New Orleans, they can interact with a juvenile alligator in our baggage claim area. (laughs) Is is that going to calm me to pet an alligator? (laughs) Well, we've seen people love it. Even, you know, we'll get some people who are a little standoffish at first and don't necessarily want to touch the alligator, but they're so intrigued that they say, okay, I'll get close enough to take a picture. And then when they take a picture, they just can't help but touch the alligator. So we think it's it's been very successful, and we're happy with um, a lot, all the attention that it's been getting because it's, it's you know, sharing information about our airport and really about this, this issue with uh, the animals in our wetlands. So, Erin, this is Dr. Debbie. As as a traveler, say I come through your airport, and um, can I hold the baby, or is it not permitted? So, when you say touch, would I just be able to pet? I want to know what kind, how close, and, and I can get to these critters. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Audubon provides very knowledgeable um, outreach staffers, and the outreach staffers are holding the alligator. So, um, the passengers are not allowed to hold it, but they they do guide them to use two fingers and touch the alligator along the back, along its spine, so you can feel the alligator's skin. And, of course, we have a little backdrop, and we like people to take selfies or snap a couple pictures with the alligator so they can share on social media or send to their family and friends and tell them what they met at the New Orleans airport. Now, I can imagine that these animals, uh, it's probably the first time anybody's been near an alligator. How big are they? They're actually, so they're, they're juvenile alligators, so they're usually between one and three years old. So they're not very large. I think they get up to about uh, three feet long. Huh. When I was a, was a kid and we were traveling through the south, my grandparents took me to a gator farm. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we got to see them. I, I remember holding them. But they had their little mouths closed and kind of banded so that they wouldn't hurt anybody. Is this a, any kind of thing that they have to do in this situation or do you just trust that your handlers are comfortable and can know how to not disrupt the the crew right the handlers are very experienced and and they hold them in a very specific way so that um there's no real threat don't have to, to the that. passenger so no they, they don't have the mouths um mm. closed off in any way you can take a selfie with them too. Is that you? Yes. You're all set up. Okay, that's awesome. That's correct. That's <laughs> correct, and that's been really popular. People love getting their their picture taken with the alligator. I know there's some luggage made out of alligator. Is there any confusion between the alligator? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Just, wow. Wow. <laughs> I have another well, medical question. Go ahead. 
Oh, the, the medical question I have is, you know, anytime that in my practice we handle reptiles, we have certain hygiene that we oh, have to yeah. follow. So mm-hmm. are you ensuring that people wash their hands or use a disin- or a antiseptic afterwards? Yes, absolutely. So there's a um, hand sanitizer available, and our the outreach workers who come are very, very persistent about making sure that everyone uses the hand sanitizer after they uh, touch the alligator. So that, okay. and they always they make sure to let everyone know anytime you touch an animal, you should wash your hands. So yeah, especially a reptile. That's just a good, exactly. you know, yeah. good definitely. Good so these alligators, are they going to be held in captivity their lives, or since they're so young, will they be ever be released? So this, it's it's part of a, a program that Audubon um, has with all their alligators. So they, they raise the alligators through up through a certain age, um, and they would they could really speak more to the life of the alligator. Uh, I'd have to get back to you on some information about, about what happens to them um, as they mature out of the educational outreach program, but they do have partnerships I'm aware of with um, different, I guess, alligator farms in the area. If you want to see some of the selfies, hashtag MSY Gator Selfie. That's it. And, of course, you can visit the website at flymsy.com. Is MSY the uh, the initials for that airport? Is that it, That's our airport indicator code. It okay. stands for Moisant Stockyards. That's the, the New Orleans airport's code. Okay. We'll put links to everything we've just mentioned Great. right over at uh, animalradio.pet. Aaron, thanks so much for spending time with us, and go give that alligator a big old hug for a moment. <laughs> I certainly will. <laughs> Take care of yourself. That's a fun little thing that they got going on there, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, I think I like it because it's unique to that area. That's what you think about New Orleans when you think about animals. You think about gators, so I think that's kind of cool. And not very many people get to be up and close with them. I'd go to the airport just to see him if I lived there. Mm, you haven't met my ex-wife. <sighs> Here he is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. It was first seen in 1979. The Mercedes-Benz G-Class has remained the same for 39 years until now, that is. For 2019, Mercedes have introduced a completely new model. Three parts remain the same as the last edition, the headlight washers, the rear tire cover, and the door handles. With three locking differentials, capable off-road, comfortable on-road, it starts at $127,000 and is sure to be the new Hollywood icon. To see the new G-Class, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Hi, who is this? Is this Vern? Uh, Yes, it is. Hey, Vern, how you doing? Excellent, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Modesto, California. Lovely Modesto. Uh, yes, sir. You no, it's not, sir. That's my dad. <laughs> okay. yes, I'm feeling old this week as it is. You are on with Doctor Debbie. Yes, Doctor Debbie. Hello, how you well, doing? Hi, Vern. Uh, my question is, I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and uh, I had her fixed. And right after I had her fixed, she started having problems with a leg. And I'm not really sure about you know her weight because she immediately gained a whole bunch of weight, and I'm not mm-hmm. really sure how to monitor what her perfect weight should be and how it's supposed to go about that. Okay. And uh, Rhodesian Ridgebacks, they're not terribly common. Did you did you find her locally at a shelter or did you have a breeder? No. Uh, the, she ended up getting away from somebody abusing her and it ended oh, up dear. she was given to me. And so she kind of came from a, another area and so I just ended up 
taking care of her and raising her. She was about uh, probably uh, five months old when I uh, received her, and um, I just taken care of her ever since. Oh, what's her name? Her name is Simba. Uh, Simba. I, I wasn't too sure. Yeah, female dog. I named Simba, but it. You know, I didn't know anything about a Ridgeback. I didn't even know she was a Ridgeback. And I took her to a PetSmart. She walked around and she picked up a toy. The first toy she picked up was a, a lion with a squeak. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's kind of ironic, you know. So it is, you know, almost like her color. Yeah. And ever since then, everything she likes has to be the, almost the exact same color she is. Her favorite cat <laughs> is an orange cat. Well, that's interesting. I know. It is very oh. interesting. Because now I keep questioning myself, are dogs really colorblind? Hmm. Well, dogs are particularly colorblind, but they do see shades of gray. Um, so, uh, you know, that's interesting, though. But perhaps she does have some other preference uh, with those issues or with those uh, items. Yeah. But uh, she sounds like a lovely dog. And how old is she? She is going to be turning uh, eight pretty soon. Okay. So she's getting up there in her senior years. And you said this weight gain that she had it developed um, shortly after she was spayed? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And, and also, it had a she came with a, a leg issue right after that when she gained the, the weight. So I didn't know if that was something that happened during surgery, or maybe it was something that happened from childhood. And finally, when she got the weight, it you know came on. And what what would be the best thing I could do? Yeah, well, and you raise a good point, is that it could potentially be something that was kind of lingering under the surface that when she gained some weight, it, it really put an extra force on, you know, those maybe questionable joints um, that were developing. So that's a possibility, and it's kind of hard to really prove that one way or another. Um, but the one thing you did say as far as with a lot of female dogs can tend to gain weight after they've been spayed, and it's not doesn't have to happen. <laughs> it's something we can be prepared for because we know there's so many benefits to spaying our pets that extend their life um, that we know their metabolism changes once they are spayed. So what my suggestion and what I tell every one of my uh, female dog owners as they are getting that surgery done is you almost have to plan right away the day of that surgery to kind of slightly modify your feeding regimen. If they're on a puppy food at that time, you scale back and go to an adult food. Um, if you're feeding a certain amount, I'd like to scale back maybe a quarter cup a day um, because if we continue feeding as we did before the surgery, um, they will gain weight. And it's not that it's a side effect of the surgery. It's just their metabolism does change when they're altered. So that's one thing you might have to work on some weight loss efforts now, um, you know, feeding a low-calorie food, uh, doing non-weight-bearing exercise like swimming is such a great thing if you have the capability and in California um, you know that certainly you might have that ability to exercise her um, okay. but those would be things that I'd really work on to try to you know get her physical condition in place okay. and, and you said that the leg is a bum leg <laughs> what does she do with it that that's a problem uh, well she mostly just uh, favors it and then uh, we, she, she likes sleeping in a favorite chair so uh, she took the chair out or, you know, she took over the chair when she came into the house. And, and is it a red so, chair, too? Uh, no, it's not, but it is a brown chair. That's kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> I just she, had to ask. When she gets off the chair, she'll hold her leg up there and stretch it. And just, okay. You know, it kind of reminds me of some athlete trying to do some special exercise, you know, and stretching it really hard. <laughs> Yoga. <laughs> yeah, she leans into it. And it's just comical. It's kind of like, I wish I was more dedicated than you. <laughs> but but is there a perfect weight that I should be monitoring to looking at for a dog 
Well, and it's kind of like with people, when we're talking about what is the perfect weight for dogs, there's not an exact number. You may have breed standards for the Rhodesian, which may be, oh golly, somewhere between, you know, 60 pounds to 85 pounds. But the, what's more important is what we call body condition scoring. And this is something all veterinarians do when we examine a pet. We put a little notation in the pet's chart. And the body condition score is a number system that we use. And um, for our office, we use a one to five scoring method. A three is a perfect weight dog. One is a very obese pet, and one is an underweight, severely underweight pet. So there's some great tools and techniques to try to figure that out at home. But basically, some of the things we look at is we look at the overall shape. We want to see a little waistline, a silhouette, um, if you will, if you kind of stand over your dog. Um, when you look from the side, you want to see that their belly is kind of tucked up. There's a little flank. If they're pretty much shaped like a sausage, from either direction, that's an indication that you may have a weight problem for your pet. Judy actually uses the body condition scoring test here for the UPS delivery men. She's actually given me, what, a minus 15? <laughs> yeah, you're way out. You're not even on the record anymore. You're off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time for us to get on out of here. If you're still looking for some last-minute gifts that you can get for the holidays, how about a Kindle book? That's easy to get real fast. And if your friend owns a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a mini schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. We'll put links over at animalradio.pet, just like we do for everything you've heard on today's show. Thanks for listening. Have a safe and happy holiday. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio. Merry Christmas, everybody. Jingle, jingle. Happy holidays. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.